There are times where I even have the self-doubt where it's like, man, like I'm really putting myself out there. Most businesses, most startups fail. So it adds that level of pressure. But also for me, just hunger and tenacity to actually prove everyone wrong and just stay alive and make this thing happen. What's up, everyone? We're here on the Founder Hour podcast. I'm your co-host, Posh. And that's... I'm Pat. And he, we're here with David Greenfeld, who's one of the co-founders of Dream Pops. And like I was saying earlier, this is probably the best start to the podcast because I'm literally eating a popsicle, um, which tastes great. I think there's a coconut latte. Yeah. Um, I'm eating the chocolate line and it's on Pat's having the chocolate line and David's having absolutely nothing because he probably has had so many I have had popsicle. 500 Dream Pops already today. Yeah. <laughs> there, well, there you go. And that, he's on the Dream Pop diet, yes. which we'll get into his whole like diet. He had told us he's a vegan, so we'll, you know, we'll dive into that after. Uh, but David, thank you for having us and uh, thank you for you know being on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Of course. <clears throat> so just to kind of get our listeners to you know understand you better you know why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you know you know you grew up before you even kind of got into these business ventures yeah absolutely happy to so uh, I'm you know born and raised in Los Angeles uh, kind of childhood in terms of uh, how we got into the popsicle game because it's a little out there mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, grew up here grew up in Encino um, you know, luckily have a couple parents who are both entrepreneurs in their own right. So, um, just constantly been exposed to, uh, to hungry, passionate, loving, uh, parents who've really just always celebrated that desire to build and create. Um, when, you know, I went to, uh, in high school, I was constantly just trying to come up with new ventures, new ideas. At one point I was in the hip hop game. I was, uh, doing a little... You were the hip hop artist. I was a hip hop artist. Wow. Yeah. Can, can you give us something? Uh, you know, maybe we put a little beat on. I could can, spit can, a little freestyle can, can, at we'll, some we'll point. That <laughs> <laughs> um, but always just about really creating and and embracing that creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Berkeley okay. and up there, um, you know, was uh, I, I actually started a couple businesses. So this is probably the fourth business uh, that okay. I tried and learned a lot in those pursuits. Um, first company in high school I started, uh, it was just a sunglasses company where we were really trying to replicate a bit of a Tom's model mm-hmm. where we would buy a pair of sunglasses, a lot like what Warby Parker mm-hmm. is doing now, yeah. buy a pair of sunglasses um, and give a pair away and kind of help someone, uh, you know, with with issues related to vision and, and right. vision impairment. Anyway, so after that um, in college, my I would, I would call the next real business was, uh, it was called Just Wine and we were trying to make a premium boxed wine concept where you take the apple box and, you know, affordable but really quality wine. Um, we actually got into a, a couple Whole Foods stores. Nice. And it's a pretty funny story. Um, with boxed wine, you have these bladders um, that if you have a little bit of yeast in those bladders, they actually explode. And so with our filler, we didn't really do the, the mm-hmm. due diligence. Yeah. And we had a couple uh, pallets oh. of boxed wine exploding in Whole Foods. So those the end of the my, Whole Foods. In, oh, in the Whole Foods stores, yeah. That was the end of my uh, kind of good marketing, career. though. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> no, but that uh, that it, it blew up on us. But it was a Literally. really great learning experience. Exactly, really great learning experience. And um, you know, then after that, I I really transitioned. It kind of taught me that um, you need to do your diligence and have the right partners involved and um, really understand what the hell you're doing. So I I, I realized shit. You know, maybe I should. Uh, It'll be and uh, push me to really be yeah. an investment banker and go down that route. I was going to so. ask, what did you study at Berkeley? <laughs> uh, I studied business, so business administration. And initially, I was really opposed to going down the finance route. Yeah, um, but it kind of sucks you in because I studied business to undergrad, and like yeah. literally, I was like the only student in my class that didn't want to go into investment banking. Okay, because uh, I remember like everyone like you know, what do you want to be? And I was like, you know, everyone's like an investment banker. I'm like, I'm over here trying to figure out how to start my own business. I already knew, but like, it sounds like. You know, you kind of had that as like maybe like a fallback, or like what was how, what was what was your thinking? Exactly, I think um, just being surrounded by everyone who's really pushed towards consulting, law, um, you know, becoming a doctor, or that that right. investment banking path. Mm-hmm. Because look, it, it's structured. Mm-hmm. You get the tools that right. are necessary. I think a lot of people, uh, especially like our generation, entrepreneurship is is what we see 
across every media mm-hmm. you yep. know channel platform. Everyone loves Gary Vaynerchuk and mm-hmm. and and that self-made hustler and entrepreneur. But I really think a lot of people and myself included learn the hard way. We lack the school or the the tools and the actual skill set that it takes to go out and build a company. And so eventually the idea with going into banking and I got a great opportunity was okay, I can see how these businesses are capitalized, operated, get that tool and skill set, and then really apply it when I'm ready. And that was four and a half years for me to really go and, and build mm-hmm. a company the real way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of how that, how that transitioned. How many happened. years were you an investment banker? About four and a half years. Um, and so I was specifically focused on consumer M&A. I was a company called Hulahan Loki here in Los Angeles. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I was a lot, initially for the first year and a half, it was uh, technology media companies. And then I transitioned over to consumer, uh, which is what I'm, you know, genuinely passionate about. And I actually, um, I was lucky enough to, with them, they moved me to Milan for mm-hmm. two oh, years nice. um, where I was doing cross-border M&A. And just being out there and living in Milan, having not speaking Italian, yeah. um, you know, but luckily, eating amazing Italian food. I hope, it was, I hope. It was unbelievable. I'm sure, your fa- I'm sure it helped your fashion sense too. A little yes, bit. yeah, no. There's a lot in Dream Pops. There's a lot of that inspiration on the fashion side too, and kind of merging fashion aesthetic with, uh, you know, healthy and better for you foods. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I lived out there. I loved it. It was it was it was lucky. It was just a, a number of things connecting. That led me to to really pursue the dream pops mm-hmm. concept. So, I'm curious. You mentioned like your parents were entrepreneurs. Like, what, what what spaces were they in? Like, what did they do? Yeah, really unique. Uh, my mom is actually a rabbi, and she's got her own minion. It's called Nachshon Minion. Okay. So you know, it's funny. Her name's Judy, yeah. and her concept is is just enough Judaism, and really like with religion now, I think it gets really challenging for us to find our own sense of spirituality. So she's kind of rebranded and reimagined Judaism for our generation, which is pretty cool. I love religion. So, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into it, but I also do want to, cause I think that's interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how, how did that shape you growing up? Yeah, I went to a, you know, an all Jewish high school, um, Where so, uh, new community Jewish high school. It's now mm-hmm. called D Toledo. Okay. Um, yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, loved it. It was great. Gave me a sense of uh, Judaism and community. Um, but I think as you get older, like yeah, as we're out on our own trying to figure out what that means for us, she uh, really has, has allowed, you know, as opposed to being have, having religion forced on you, they've really allowed us to really figure it out for ourselves, which I think is important. So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and then on my dad, the, my dad was actually in the entertainment industry. So um, had a, you know, a marketing agency called the Amp Farm that was really focused on um, you know, movies, television, et cetera, and the movie trailers that you'd see in movie theaters, mm-hmm. uh, creating those and just seeing, I guess, just two creative beasts in their own right. Yeah. Um, it was really awesome to be around. So, so after this four and a half years of, you know, c- kind of corporate America and investment banking and <coughs> obviously learning how companies are financed and just how they're operating and whatnot, when did you realize, okay, it was time to leave it and, pursue what you had already pursued before that, you know, and kind of be your own boss? Yeah, I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm uh, antsy, I'm, con- I'm a fidgeter, you can see my foot yeah, bouncing yeah, yeah. throughout this whole yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm the, same, I'm the same way. And while yeah. we're doing that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get another dream pop, you, by the way. Do you sweat a lot too, because I sweat like... Yeah, definitely. Mud, mud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just constantly in motion, I can't sit, so the act of just being at the desk... 10, 12, 14 hour days yeah. Yeah. Um, in the cubicle. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Yeah, um, it's the worst. It's, it's a good question. When did I know? I, so it, it's a, it really, I, I genuinely look back and, and I think about how everything kind of transpired. Um, it started with a trip that I took uh, when, when we went to a few of my buddies, gone through a little bit of a uh, tough time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my buddies were like, hey, I think we should go on this trip uh, to Cartagena, Colombia. And just, it was a lot of college friends. We went down there. Um, looking for some inspiration. It was, you know, I hadn't been really working on anything creatively. When I was down there, I saw these paleta shops on every corner and these popsicles, these better for you, healthy fruit popsicles. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of press juicery and Mm -hmm. juice served here and juice press and all those respective businesses saw what was happening with the boom there and just started to get really obsessed with paletas and popsicles. What's a paleta? A paleta is just a Latin American term for a popsicle. Um, and you know, they're, amazing they're typically all fruit um really refreshing mm-hmm. and they have these stores and shops and carts that are really all yep. over all over the place right. and so naturally uh you know 
I, I started to think, hmm, I wonder, I, I really don't see a lot of innovation in ice cream novelties and better for you ice yeah. cream. This was right before Halo Top really mm-hmm. had their huge inflection point. Right. Um, called my buddy David Cohen, who's a co-founder and an incredible what he does on the ops side. And he had been working for a bagel truck, Easty Boys Bagels, and had a lot of experience just with food. And I said, hey, man, what do you think about popsicles? <laughs> uh, so we went and bought a ton of popsicles. I started pulling research reports on ice cream and looking at Skinny Cow and Talenti and Halo Top and Arctic Zero and all these other brands that are out there and saw, thought it was really interesting. Um, and so that happened to be right before I moved to Milan, which was the birthplace of ice cream and gelato. And with all the food innovation that was happening in Europe, I was sitting, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be working during the day and I'd go out to lunch and I would just look around the, uh, you know, Brera, which is the arts district. And I just constantly have my eye out trying to figure out is there an ice cream concept? Is there a food concept? Is there something? And, and naturally, it just gravitated towards uh, this. Mm-hmm. I was on a, you know, as I was at work, I was constantly on these food blogs. And I saw this European food blog that had my now partner, David Marks, who's the food scientist who engineered the product. Uh-huh. And it showed, you know, a beta version of what he was doing and building. Um, and then I just picked up the phone and, you know, I, I sent him a couple emails with no no luck. I found a phone number. I called him. It's like, you know, what, what the hell do you want, man? <laughs> You've been emailing me like crazy. Uh, he was in Berlin, and I said, you know, David, I, I'm a huge fan of what you're building. I think it's really interesting. Um, love to come. I'm in Milan. I'd love to come fly to Berlin to your food kitchen, your science kitchen, try the product, and, uh, you know, maybe there's something there. And he's like, all right, you're, you know, sure, this is pretty weird, but come on over, come on through. So I booked a ticket the next weekend. I went out to Berlin. I went to this really you know, interesting food kitchen. I tried the product and right then and there, I knew that this, like, I kid you not, I was just like, this is, this is it. Was it the same product? It was, yeah. I mean, it was like, it wasn't different quite design, as healthy, maybe, yeah. a little bit different design um, and no brand name, but, you know, he had been working on this, mm-hmm. um, tried it. And then, you know, the second I, I, I knew it and I said, uh, his dream was to always bring this to the States in California. He had a couple failed business ventures and uh, I was like, I think, I think we got to, you know, partner and, and bring this out to LA. I think it'll be a huge hit. Wow. So what was like the next step? I mean, you had your buddy, the other David, yep. um, which there's three Davids, by the yeah, way. Yeah, sorry, so, three Davids. <laughs> so for, I guess the sake of um, not getting everyone confused, we say like DC, DG and DM. That's exactly how we okay. do it. Yep. So exactly. uh, you had this DC. This is DG, by the way. I'm yeah. DG. He's DG. <laughs> so you had DC who was working at um, another company. Yep. And then you had how did you know? How did you know DC? Grew yeah. up third grade, elementary okay. school friends. And I think... Uh, you know, I hear a lot of founder stories where you just, you know, it's tough to find somebody that's going to go in the trenches with you that you trust, right. uh, you know, with your life. Um, it sounds like you guys have a little bit of a similar story. I yeah, don't know. Totally. How did you guys meet? <laughs> we met, met at USC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. In awesome. 2011. And, and obviously, I always say, like, oh, find someone who can, like, compliment. Like, if you're, like, strong in something and they're strong in something, then you can compliment each other. Like, how do you see that dynamic working between the, the three of you? Yeah, it was perfectly complimentary. So I'm more of the finance and marketing guy. Um, but when it comes to actually making and creating food, I, you know, David Cohen has made locally every single dream pop that anyone's made. That's hundreds of thousands of dream pops. Um, he, we have an assembly line of fully specialized manufacturing process team, about 10 people that are doing it with him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he actually worked underneath David DM, who's a food scientist for like three months, flew out to Berlin and, uh, actually learned and studied underneath him, uh, DM actually studied underneath Juan Amador, who's our advisor, who's a three-star Michelin chef. Yep. So effectively, we're taking this brain trust of food innovation that's happening in top Michelin-starred kitchens and bringing it to the masses via our first product, the Dream Pop, and hopefully other plant-based desserts to come. Interesting. So, As I eat this um, and it tastes to me, this is the berry dreams. <laughs> I love podcasts where I can eat. It's like, it's like, it's like a dream come true. Um, but... It literally, I mean, the term plant-based or vegan or soy-free, I mean, as I read this, it's like free of everything. You know? <laughs> That's what first, every yeah, product just, is yeah. now. <laughs> you know, so the first time I bought, so I went, to, I love, a, I'm a big Whole Foods guy. So when I, <clears throat> at one point I was trying to like eat healthy, but I, you know, had a craving and I still try it, but I just had like an ice cream craving. So I went to Whole Foods and I think I saw Arctic Zero, Halo Top, like all those things. And I think the first time I bought Arctic Zero. So 
it literally said dairy free, soy free, gluten free, just everything free. Yeah. So when I'm paying for it, the one's like, oh, what is this? I was like, honestly, like, I don't know, but it says everything's free. I'm like, I hope it's not taste free, you know? <laughs> of course. And so I ate it and it was definitely taste free. Like, it tasted like I was eating air. You know, I was like, I'd rather just <laughs> chalky. Breathe. Yeah, just terrible. Disgusting. <laughs> terrible yeah. aftertaste. But as I eat this, it literally tastes like, <clears throat> like a very, like, nice smoothie, like yep. a fruit smoothie. Very it refreshing. Has a lot and of light. flavors, yeah. And I wish it was kind of like, I go to Equinox. So I wish like Equinox had like a partnership with you guys so that I could just pick it up on the way out and just eat a refreshing ass ice cream pops. It's funny you say that. I we got some at, protein in there. Uh, yeah, no, and, yeah. and we've got a protein, protein rendition that we're working on. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about being grab and go. I love companies like yeah. Perfect Bar. I don't know if you guys are Perfect Bar fans. They took a, you know, a protein bar and refrigerated it when most people told them from a supply chain standpoint that wasn't possible, but it's right. way more refreshing. Um, yeah. I love what our X bar does has done and Peter mm -hmm. Hall and, and those mm -hmm. guys. Um, but really I think there's an opportunity for a grab and go better for you snack. that mm -hmm. can be frozen. Like you right. said, at a fitness studio or, mm -hmm. you know, wherever you might be. So how, how has the kind of like decline in retail impacted you guys? So I know you guys are in like what five Starbucks locations right now. Yeah. Or? So five in Los Angeles and we were in 10 in Portland. So 15 okay. total, 15 total. How, how has that process kind of been for you guys? I mean, as far as supply chain goes, like, you know, this is a frozen food item. Like, you know, yeah. you have to order, like, dry ice. Like, how does that how does that work out? Yeah, I mean, there are a ton of challenges just with frozen and perishable. Um, you know, we're manufacturing everything on our own in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. With Starbucks, we actually are popping up, you know, for, the, for three months straight since, uh, you know, since July. Basically, we have a, a pop-up bar. We have a freezer. We're delivering them to those respective locations. We're staffing the locations with our own Dream Pops dream team members um but you know it's self-distributed um and as we are as we continue to scale we're working with distributors and third parties frozen ltl trucks that can deliver your product to and from any location um and we actually are you know one of the first or a number of ice cream companies doing it but we we sell our product online direct to consumer so you can go on dreampops.com buy a 10 pack and we ship it nationwide to your doorstep in our, in our and we use you know, a company called Veracool and a few other packaging mm -hmm. alternatives that, um, you know, they use styrofoam alternatives, so they're green, um, but they allow us with a brick of dry ice and with some micro beads and, and, and other types of mm -hmm. packaging solutions to get about 60 hours from door to door, wow. and we guarantee 48-hour delivery. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, five, 10 years ago, that was impossible. Right. Perishable shipping just was non-exist ice cream online, no way. Yeah. Um, but as we, as technology improves, logistics improve, um, there are new carriers out there that are offering cost-effective solutions. I mean, I'm 100% bullish on the fact that frozen and perishable is going to be a readily available um, and affordable product online. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, um, like at one point did all three of you like leave your full-time jobs? Like when was that realization like this is going to be a big company and we need to, you know, work on it full time. Yeah. So DC took the lead first and I have to give him so much credit um, because it took me a lot longer to actually jump in. Um, he jumped, you know, two years ago. So he's been full time for about two years now. Um, I made the foolish but necessary decision to be both an investment banker and to try and have that side hustle. Was, was it because you didn't want to leave that money behind? I mean, like it's a it's a yeah, lot of money. It's a it's a lot of money. Um, security. It's. I'm guessing you were the, sleeping like one to two hours a night. It was it was ridiculous <laughs> of my schedule, and you know yeah. it's it's hilarious. I was nine hours ahead, right? Because I was in Milan, yeah. so I would have my full work. Day. Oh man! And then luckily, you know. Okay, I'd be done, and LA would be, you know, coming behind. But I then could, I could, I, I'd go home. I could, you know, I'd work maybe like eight a.m. in Milan to about six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it was. Obviously, I'd have my late nights as well. I'd go home around nine or ten, and then I'd work from ten to three, four in the morning, um, and just get on a conference Sounds call, like talk to that. my partner in LA. I don't know. Yeah, how did um, you like? I mean, did you like burn out at some point? I yeah, there was. I mean, there was a certain point where, and David can tell you, DC can tell you, um, I was just exhausted, not taking care of my body, and and I think it hit a certain point where I had I had to quit because yeah. I just couldn't do it anymore, but. That's the hardest part with, with the first 6, 12, 18 months of starting anything. I'm sure when you guys were yeah. doing your first podcast, mm -hmm. even, you know, everyone has an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. The noise, the crap. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of colleagues that were like, you're going to go start a popsicle company. And it's like, no, man, like I'm, I'm creating like a plant-based dessert platform 
various products and I want to kind of reinvent indulgence and sweets. Um, But you just have to say, you know, really say fuck it and and just believe in yourself. And I'm Uh, glad we're discussing this because, you know, we we sit down with like startup founders, like big company founders, individual influencers. Like so, so we have a good mix of people, but we always hear that we you know we don't talk enough about like the struggles of you know starting a company, maintaining a company, growing a company, and you know for us you know for Pat and I we have all these ideas you know we're like oh it's gonna be the next billion dollar idea we're gonna do this we're gonna do that I'm sure every you know entrepreneur entrepreneur whatever has had that yeah know, has had that moment <clears throat> moments. Um, but the hardest part is really like, especially like, you know, when you're young, you have student loans like we do and, you know, you just have expenses. It's hard to not have a full-time job that's paying you a consistent salary. So, I mean, what was it like? Or, you know, you came up with this idea, right? Essentially. Yes. So, I mean, it was a team effort. It was a team effort, right. But like you kind of had the realization when you went to Colombia and then, you know, you kind of stars aligned, you met this guy in, you know, uh, Berlin, but even though it was like kind of your brainchild or even, or the three of you, you still had, I mean, you know, what was it that was like, maybe it's not going to work out? Like, do you ever have that? Dude, of course. And I, I, I it's funny. I, you hear these founders, like you rarely hear founders that are like, I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> like I was a hundred percent on it. Yeah. And even, even as you're progressing at each stage, there are various levels of self doubt mm-hmm. and fear mm-hmm. fear of failure even now after you know we've raised some money and really seen some success and some tr- uh, success and some traction there's constantly the the, the de- like dealing with with fear um because like m- mentally like you're at like you already leveled up so now you're like you're not even looking back anymore it's like now your threshold is like in that you know that uh whatever that part of your journey that you're in yeah so you now you compare when I mean, you don't want to compare, but you just naturally do. Like, wh- you know, where are these companies at, or where, you know? So, so yeah, I think yes, that's kind of where it comes here's, from. Here's what I, here's where my realization hit, and I was lucky. Look, I worked with this really great. Uh, I was referred through a friend of a friend. Uh, you know, it's he's like a life coach, really great dude. I meet with him every Sunday. I've never met him in person, but I Facetime with him, and he's incredible. You know, Kai, shout out to Kai. <laughs> um, I was really struggling with the just going for it and quitting and, and leaving everything on the yep. table. Cause you, you know, I struggled to even get to that position. I had to kick my ass and you know, it, it, it's, you're, you're with your colleagues, you're making good money. You feel good about yourself. Um, I'm not saying it's the right path for everyone. What I will say is it came down to this. I'm like, okay, I'm in my latter half of my twenties. I can get really comfortable to this standard of living which is great. And by the way, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's yeah. a battle. You know, it's looking into the abyss. It's trusting that you're going to just figure it out and get really uncomfortable and push through. But in my mind, I was like, okay, if I'm really going to like take a hack at this and go all in, I'm not going to do it in 20, like 29, 30, 31, 32. when I probably have a family or yeah. a very serious significant other. I've got a mortgage. I've got things tying me down, expectations, yeah. and I'm accustomed to living to that. Yep level for too many years and it actually kind of freaked me out i was like i was really excited with 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 where i had had gotten but i was like nervous because i knew the more that i'd go up the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. the harder it would be to just quit and go do something and you're getting you're you're getting older so like you're you're getting to that point where you're gonna have a mortgage and now you're tied down and you can't leave exactly yeah exactly and so it was just it was this realization that okay i'm i have to do this if i do not Make myself uncomfortable, cut ties with that that you know that, that standard of living. Um, and frankly, like I, I did, I, I quit my job and I moved home with my mom, mm-hmm. and you know, rent free. Thank you so much to my mom for yeah. supporting me through that. Um, and it was really, you know, there are a lot of a lot of sacrifices that are made. You're you know, no longer really going out to like shop and and buy things for yourself, and yep. you're completely allocating your time, your money, and uh, you know your yourself. Which is really hard to do. So fun. kudos, kudos to you for doing that. I mean, Thanks. big time. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, like once you're attached to a certain lifestyle, and like you kind of have to detach yourself at that point. Like I can't maintain this lifestyle yeah. anymore. Like I got to be kind of a, <clears throat> like a nomad, just kind of like on my own and trying to just hustle and grind. And which make, I think you know, I Pat and I hate these like entrepreneurs that like will have like swipe up for my free webinar. Like you know, drives me insane. And they you know they characterize entrepreneurship as like a very sexy, very attainable, like, 
something that everybody should be doing, you know? And I mean, again, like, and it's awesome that like entrepreneurship now or being an entrepreneur is like a buzzword type thing. Like people like it, but at the same time, like, I don't really believe that those people that are calling themselves entrepreneurs are really entrepreneurs. Like usually when you are an entrepreneur, you don't have time to call yourself an entrepreneur. Like you're literally just not sleeping most of the time. You're always hustling. You're doing multiple things. You're trying to make, at the same time, you're trying to make money. It's not all about the money, but you need that money to survive somehow and live. So it's it's not it's not fun, like especially in the beginning. It's not glamorous so, at all. Yeah, at all. You think you think and look, you look at Hollywood, you look at the social network, yeah. which probably produced millions of entrepreneurs who should not be entrepreneurs. And dude, by the way, there are times where I even have the self doubt where it's like, man, like I'm really putting myself out there. Most businesses, most startups fail. So it adds that level of pressure, but also for me, dude, mm-hmm. I just hunger and tenacity to actually prove everyone wrong and mm-hmm. just stay alive and make this thing happen. Is so. it easier that you have two people that you know are also in on the ride with you? No question. I think you know, sole proprietors, people who are just building businesses on their own. Wow, like full, like all. And I could not on my own. I could not be anywhere near what we did with Dream Pops. Don't think I could be successful on my own right now. And in this like early stage, I mean, when you when you do have that type of self-doubt, and I'm sure all three of you have it because it's so early on and you don't know what's going to happen, like how, I know it's obviously important to be open with each other and, you know, open have an open like like line of communication, but like how have you been able to, to maintain that? I mean, do you guys like just kind of have like check-ins with each other all the time? Like I'm just curious like how you... Yeah, I think that. we pump each other up. We each have our own respective low points and... Um, when one's down, you know, I'm lucky DC is like just such an optimistic, hungry, fierce, tenacious partner yeah. um, and just, you know, has battled through some health issues that have put things in, in you know, perspective and helped me. You know, he's battled cancer and he's, he's you know, doing well. And when I hear about that versus, you know, I'm here's the reality. I'm, I'm lucky. The fact that I can even go build a company and have had people and friends and, and you know, community support me to go do that. Like, okay, my worst situation is this thing fails and then guess what? I'm going to go build the next thing. Um, There are way, when you have that perspective and Mm -hmm. he oftentimes will push me and he'll be like, dude, like we're out here like building a company and creating something. We're lucky. Like, yeah. And I kind of feel like in this day and age, like it's such, it's because it's getting like more and more common to do this. I kind of feel like that stigma of like, you know. Um, once I, once I take the leap and I start my own business, I can't ever go back. And if I ever need to like work somewhere, like the truth is you can, I don't think anyone's looking at it like, yeah, oh wow. Like you want to start your own business? Like you, you're not going to have a spot in a, you know, company like, yeah. Like if anything ever hits the fan and you need to like make money to survive, like just something that I've realized, like that's, that's my mindset. And I know Gary Vee, I think says this all the time too, is like, you can always go back and work somewhere but like now's the time in this like kind of age you know yeah when you're nimble and you you know you can go jump into an apartment with five guys and pay a couple hundred bucks rent Uh, you know i I don't know if you guys know john coogan like the soyland story Mm -hmm. those guys were there's like six of them in an apartment just cranking out ideas and concepts i mean the older you get like when you're pushing mid-30s you know you can do it it just gets a lot more challenging um but it's back to back to risk profile and and that's why I said it's not for everyone because there's a ton of risk that comes with it, both financially, emotionally. It's really taxing. Um, but I guess what I, the way I saw it was I thought it was more risky to sit and not grow and not push myself and not get new tools because in court, when you're doing, when you're working in an investment bank or any other respective corporate firm, you get really good at a specific skill set. And, you know, for me, I, I, my, I was learning a ton and I would have continued becoming more technical at modeling and, and you know, pattern recognition and understanding what made for a good company and how to, you know, continue doing M&A. Um, but, I mean, the fact that you were able to be there for four years is big because I know like a lot of people burn out long. after like one year. So. <laughs> no, it was, yeah. a great, I, it was a great experience and that's why I, I think I, if anyone, if any entrepreneur asks for advice, on my end, I think you have to go work for a big company or work for an entrepreneur and get a skill set before, you know, jumping in and, and taking that leap because you have to, like, if everything goes wrong, what skills can you provide? What value can you create? And, you know, you just need to make sure you, you invest in yourself in that regard. Because when starting a business, you're not focused on one area anymore. Now you're focused on everything. So you're spreading yourself thin. And even though, even though you learn a little bit about everything... You don't really have that one thing to be like, yeah, like I'm that I'm that person. Like I, that's what I could do. Exactly, and yeah. and you also really like 
self-awareness is so crucial in understanding what you're getting yourself into. And if you, you have to love the industry, I knew because I had always been, you know, the people I look up to, you know, I look up Howard Schultz is kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, number one in terms of who you I You guys have a kind of a similar story. I mean, he went to Italy too. That's where a lot of the inspiration <laughs> went to yeah. even go there, man. When yeah, I got yeah. the opportunity, I, I just like, they just opened their Starbucks in Milan. It's incredible yeah. it to see that come full circle. It's the reserve one, right? Yeah. It's, it looks uh, the exactly like the one in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you the roastery, sorry, the roastery. The roastery, the yeah, roastery. yeah, sorry, exactly. Um, it's funny, there are a lot of a lot of these stories, like you look at Blake Mykoski, mm-hmm. went to Argentina and found the shoes, Howard Schultz took the romance of the barista stand in, in Verona and Milan and brought that here. Oftentimes, and that's where why I made the move to Milan. One of our friends, I think, uh, who actually we were at his restaurant last night, but have you heard of Baccarì, Baccarò? Yeah. So Bobby, he Bobby had gone to Italy as well, I think, and Baccarì is like more of like an Italian type concept like that. So, And we always talk about this, like the whole traveling thing and going and experiencing other stuff. I think that's like essential, especially when you're young and like have more time than when you become a family person. It becomes so much harder, both financially and timing wise. It's just, it's wild. Like you go to another country, you experience another culture and things stick out. You know, you're like, hmm, okay, this is a really interesting restaurant concept or Mm -hmm. food product or technology. And and you see both ways right. that cross pollination. I see tech companies that are being plopped down in in Milan, and then vice versa. And same with food and beverage concepts. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of the really interesting, yeah. exciting innovation comes from. So um, going back to kind of like the, the getting the start with Dream Pops and getting it off the ground, like uh, what were those early days like? Like obviously from taking it from like DM's formula to making it a, you know, mass produced product company. Totally. So um, when we first went to market, you know, we're 3D printing these molds right. and we thought that the biggest, you know, the excitement behind it would be the 3D printing technology. Yeah. And the more and more we kept pushing that, what was lacking was, okay, if we were constantly printing new shapes, we're going to lose an identity. How are people going to know what a dream pop is if it's always changing? And so we had this, this shape that, you know, we've actually have a design patent on it and it's kind of our Nike swoosh. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our our tagline is anything is popsicle. So you can be ever changing. Possibilities are endless. Go after, you know, effectively really in this product, there's a lot of like embracing that entrepreneurial spirit and going after that dream, which I can just tie down to, what gets me excited to wake up every morning and go after this. Um, but, you know, as we kept pushing through, um, what people really wanted was a healthy, better-for-you snack. We, f- we really focused on the vegan and plant-based angle, um, the shape, the beauty of the shape, the aesthetic, um, merging fashion with food, and um, really trying to reimagine vegan products for our generation. And we thought, okay, if we have this one shape that's really unique and differentiated and people see it, they'll remember that's Dream Pops. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you, yeah, so so what did we do? So we, it's funny, we just started doing pop-ups with big brands. Um, we're like, A, do people like it? So we grabbed our first 100 closest friends in Sounding Board. We're like, guys, do you like this Popsicle? Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you first think? First step is like, do we actually people, people eat it? <laughs> I'll be honest, I mean, like 97 out of that 100 group like, like the Popsicle. And I'm like, okay, I think we have something differentiated, unique, and that tastes really good. Um, so first, our closest network loved it. Then started, you know, using some of the skills that I had at, at, an, at the investment bank, putting these pitch decks together. And I just started going out and David started, DC started going out, pitching these businesses and saying, hey, guys, like, we're, well, we'd love to do a pop-up for you. We'd love to create a custom formula or a custom pop-up bar or a co-branded uh, formula and just go out there. And the pitch was we wanted to create food as an advertising vehicle. So we're going to engage your customer or drive traffic to your store with a product that's never been seen before and a product that we can actually customize and tailor for you. So we went to Beats by Dre and we said, hey guys, we can 3D print a Beats by Dre head, headphone pop for your Coachella party and people and fans will interact with the logo that's edible, that's consumable, they'll Instagram it and that's kind of what happened. And then it kind mm-hmm. of, we actually created this pop-up and experiential marketing business or an outsourced R&D food lab as our 2017 business, it's all we were doing. Really? Co-branding, working with you know Patron, Casamigos, Don Julio, 
Um, Diane von Furstenberg. Goes in the popsicle. Yes. Wow. So we also okay. have the ability to infuse, you know, rosé. <laughs> now we're talking. Tequila. Yeah. Now we're talking. Um, so that, yeah, it's that's been great, and that's a fun avenue and part of it. But as I said, some of the the other partnerships and collaborations, we did something with Bumble, yep. um, which that. was their, their custom that. limited edition flavor called the Passion Jackie, um, with a co-branded tray that you could only get for National Ice Cream Month, and. You know, it was cool. We did pop-ups in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Austin, co-branded pop-ups. And in the app, they actually shot out to people saying, hey, break the ice, go to one of these pop-ups, um, grab a dream pop, so, and we in, in a limited edition release. And it was a really interesting way to bridge digital with in-real-life experiences and a co-brand yep. across omnichannel, right. Instagram, email, in real life, in the app, and that was really successful for us. So this was like, I mean, at this time, were you selling direct to consumer? Not yet. So that, sorry, that Bumble collab happened this year. Yeah. Um, but I'll go back to uh, sixteen and seventeen. Those were pop ups. We'd be selling these pop up experiential packages to businesses, uh-huh. and just building up a business that way, and you know, keeping the lights on, generating cash. Yeah. Built a profitable business. It was all self funded. So me um, and my partner DC, we self funded the business. We didn't want to raise any money, mm-hmm. dilute ourselves unnecessarily. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are just like, I have this idea, I have to yeah. raise money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you but know. There comes a time, like, obviously, where you need to yeah. scale and stuff to so do. So we right? self-funded through August 17. Then we brought in a couple angels. Yeah. Um, and in that fundraise of uh, August 17, the idea was, okay, we have this pop-ups business, but what we want to create is, is a real CPG company. Yeah. And so that's how we developed the e-commerce direct-to-consumer platform. And on top of that, our long-term strategy for the rest of 18 and 19, which is going to be wholesale. Um, so, yeah, we raised the money to build the e-com site, which launched in May. It's going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then we launched Starbucks in July, which is those pouches that you guys have mm-hmm. for wholesale. <clears throat> and David, going back to, you know, you mentioned fundraising both on the angel side and also did you guys do like a venture round or anything like that? We're actually doing that now. We're doing so we're that kicking now? that off uh, through the end of the year. But so we raised... Uh, what I would call like a pre-pre-seed. Okay. Then we raised a pre-seed in April of this year. Okay. Um, and now we're raising our real seed. Got it. Um, but as I said, tried, really tried to just raise as little money as necessary to show proof of concept mm-hmm. before putting in that real round, which isn't going to be at the end of this year. Right. Mm-hmm. So my question is, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially really young entrepreneurs that are starting their first company, um, they, they really kind of have this like, fantasy about fundraising and like you know venture capital um but what is that process like for you or how was it like for you and you know was it easy to find the investors and pitch them and convince them <clears throat> persuade them that this is going to be worth their money and energy and commitment not easy um i think that there is a huge disconnect and that's why i love stories like the movement story those guys mm-hmm. didn't even raise money and that's the best that's the best way to do it. If you can build a business where you don't need to raise money, I don't know what this romance is with raising money. It's like added pressure, loss of creative control, dilution. Well, right like, now there's so much money out there. It I seems. know, I know, but, and that's but, a problem. But that's I think, issue. and we, our second episode was with Eric <coughs> Oberholzer, who founded Tender Greens. Yeah, and um, great guy, love him. He's awesome, fantastic mm-hmm. guy. Have you you've met him, right? Yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's like the coolest person, and he told us that he kind of he started Tender Greens while. It was like in our like the recession years, like 08, 09 ish. Um, and he was talking about the fact that a lot of like you really know the strength of a business if they start in a time like that. Yep. You know, and, and they're True. still surviving. And I think that's similar to like those that are raising money versus not really raising monies, that they're able to just kind of stand on their own legs. And, you know, it doesn't matter like what the economy is looking like. They just know that they have a great product or service. They know how to put it out there. They know how to outreach. They know how to market. And they're going to, they're just going to kill it regardless. And it sounds like that's kind of the path that you've been wanting to take with Dream Pops. For sure. And and look, I will not, I will say for our business and consumer businesses, specifically in food and beverage, it, they require a lot of money to yeah. really make happen, to, to scale into grocery nationwide, to have real distribution, to have the right third party manufacturers mm-hmm. and co packers. Um, but, you know, the biggest problem or like founders do have um, is, if they do have access to money, just not really thinking through the business model and thinking that month throwing money at problems will solve issues realistically. If you don't have a foundation of a business model that works, money is not going to fix anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to your question, was it easy? No. I think the fact that I was an investment banker and understand finance helped. 
because investors didn't think I was, you know, just going to be irresponsible from a spending perspective. Um, and, you know, really hone in on the fact that we had four and a half, I have that four, four years of experience and my partner DC had experience working at a food startup and in food and beverage that helped us with the raise. Um, so having the, the, the principles and experience in those respective categories mm -hmm. helps. Mm -hmm. So how does like one stand out <clears throat> in obviously like a crowded CPG space? I mean, like obviously like, you know, in, if you want to like narrow it down to like your specific industry, um, no one's really doing it like you guys are doing it. But um, when, you know, just a normal person obviously hasn't heard of Dream Pops and kind of like walks into a store like a Whole Foods and sees it, like how does, is it like a branding thing? Is it everything outside of the store that, you know, before they even get to the store, they need to know about it? Like how does one kind of stand out? So from day one, we knew that if we just took Dream Pops to a grocery store without the branding, marketing, community, it would die on the on the shelf and we'd go out of business. I've been to a lot of these, you know, Expo West, a lot of these uh, respective trade shows where... We were there just last... This oh, last really? Year. Yeah, yeah. Were there you guys there? Yeah, yeah, we didn't have a booth while I was okay. walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of companies in the space are really focused on getting that Whole Foods contract, that yeah. Target contract. Not that they're they're wrong by any means. It's, it's really important and to, to be a successful business in this space. You need to. Um, but it was interesting because we were asking a lot of founders about their direct-to-consumer strategy and if they had an e-commerce site, and a lot of them don't. And that's an entirely different business model. And if you invest in it first, I was like, okay, let's create a digitally native food and beverage brand. Let's invest in content. Let's create a community. Let's create a, you know, this, this, um, you know, I, I'd call it like a hype, like an omnichannel force, mm -hmm. effectively a world, like a lifestyle brand, mm -hmm. as opposed to just throwing something on a shelf. Right. Um, and doing these pop-ups, getting into the community, meeting other brands, having people know who you are, what you're about, what you stand for. And then if you can prove that you can sell to your customer and communicate with your customer directly and have the data to show it, then you can move into the mass channel. And customers will walk in the grocery store and they'll be like, oh, I've eaten a Dream Pop before at this event, or I've heard of them, or um, I've seen the content they create, or I heard it on a podcast um, you know, we have, uh, you know, a vlog called Stick With Your Dreams where we're interviewing other founders who are going after their dreams, you know, um, mm -hmm. and just trying to create. I love what Bulletproof and Dave Asprey's doing. Yep. They have a podcast. They have, yep. you know, fitness studios. It's, 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 and a, we'll it's have them on the podcast. I think Tom well. Bilyeu does this too with, uh, yeah, you know, I love, exactly. Yeah. Quest Nutrition Quest and He's a great and, example. Yeah. They're creating powerha powerhouses, lifestyles, um, and, and, and frankly, platforms for learning and, and, joining a community. Mm -hmm. I think what's hard in the, I mean, just with the e-commerce model and in the CPG space <clears throat> and food and beverage in general is obviously this like recurring thing where it's like, you know, people aren't used to having like a recurring subscription of like food or, or anything like that, unless it's like a meal plan or whatever. Yep. So I think, you know, it's like, it's kind of getting to that point where, you know, it's becoming more normal. Um, but I, I guess like in, in, in the case of Dream Pops, like, like, like what, how do you get someone to, to be that recurring customer? It's a good question and something we're still trying to figure out. Um, we're working on a, a number of additional products. I think the 10-pack that we sell online, our biggest challenge is shipping, how expensive shipping is. Um, yeah. It's a great gift, uh, healthy, better-for-you gift. And so attacking the gifting market is one interesting strategy, and that's been helpful for us. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I do, th we, we are launching subscriptions, so being able to have a, a nice, like you go for a workout or a run and you have an indulgence that you can feel good about that's portion controlled. Um, a, a big reason people love Halo Top is, you know, you can eat the whole pint. And when just being in Europe and being exposed to the reason everyone is so fit and health, like a lot of, a lot of people yeah. are healthier in Europe is because of portion control and real authentic good ingredients. And so having that type of a, uh, you know, value proposition for us too, you eat one Dream Pop, it's less than 100 calories, it's all real food and real ingredients, no additives or stabilizers. You're going to eat it, you're going to indulge, you're going to feel good, but you're not going to have any guilt. I mean, and I saw that like Halo Top <laughs> recently is going into retail. Are there like, is there any plans or are there any plans for Dream Pops to be more out there in terms of like a physical space? Because I know you said you guys were doing the experiential stuff, which I think is amazing. And I think that's kind of like, in terms of retail, I think that's going to be the next kind of wave. Like Warby Parker, I think has gotten it down very well. Um, but besides that, retail is kind of dying. 
how do you see, you know, Dream Pops being in the retail space if if that's in the plans? There's no question. We have this like vision for what um, the brand would would embody mm-hmm. from a brick and mortar perspective. Right. I think we just have to be nimble. I've seen a lot of concepts, especially yep. in LA, right? Um, yep. How many like really great, beautiful right. restaurants or shops have opened yep. that just can't pay the rent nope. in those, you know, really yep. expensive locations. Yep. So there's no question that eventually it will exist. It's just being patient. Even with Halo Top, they're around for five years before they even like explored a brick and mortar location. Mm-hmm. I love their scoop shops. I think it's amazing. Love what Warby does. Love what a lot of these digitally native brands, you know, Andy Dunn from Bonobos was mm-hmm. really pushing the fit the fit shops. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, we will create an, um, what, that representation on a store level. But right now, just have to be nimble and, mm-hmm. and spend the money a little bit more responsibly. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, is there like one thing that you would pinpoint is like the reason that just kind of gets you fired up? Is it like just the opportunity that you're seeing? Is it the... Like, I mean, is it proving people wrong? Is it like, um, you know, just kind of being your own boss? Like, what what is like maybe like one thing that really is, you know, pushes you and keeps you going? Yeah, I mean, I will be totally frank. There are days where, you know, you feel like everything is going wrong, putting out fires, things aren't working, something's broken, many things are broken. Um, I think deep down what keeps really pushing me is it's in our tagline which is why i just you know i, I love it um and i'm addicted to creating and building but the idea that anything is popsicle that you can create whatever widget vision dream concept you have um you can you can build a community around it but also at the net net level you know you're creating a food product that is, is making people healthier and, and, and better for you. And I'm just so long on the plant-based lifestyle mm-hmm. and I see the crap that's in grocery stores. So the fact that I can stand behind something, it's, you know, right now, yes, it's a premium product and it's, it's, it's not cheap, but we're bringing the price down. The goal is to eventually make this a far more affordable product mm-hmm. than it is online yeah. because of the shipping costs. That's the only way we can build a margin. And the idea is, okay, or net net are you doing something that's pro like that's good yes we're giving people healthy a healthy ice cream alternative too um if there's any if, if this hopefully you know this is successful and if in any way shape or form it can touch someone else or inspire someone else to go after their crazy idea and believe that they can you know pursue their dream or that anything is popsicle then you know then that's a huge win so love it on I used, I used to ask a question to most of our guests, which was, <laughs> and it's funny because the question was, if you could create any flavor of frozen yogurt, what would it be? But now, like, I don't have to ask you that because... You asked that question all... I, I, I try to ask that to most people. Well, but now we know. Um, like, we have a chocolate but, lion. We have but if you dreams. were to create yet another, you know, flavor of the green pops, just something just out of this world. Somebody gave us the answer that was gasoline. Like, gas, like you know the gasoline he, well, he smell? Was, no, well, he oh, said, okay. he said something like, that you can smell that smells good, but you can't taste. And, we're, and then we're like, oh, like gas. gas. Yeah. And he's like, or so, like a new bathroom smell or yeah. something. So what <laughs> would that smell. be? You know, just something out of this world, just crazy that might work. Wow. That is an interesting question. See? Out of this world scent. You took new car smell. It doesn't have to be out of this world. It could be somebody, somebody gave us seaweed as an answer. Okay. Somebody gave us like tequila. Yeah. Um, We've done that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, you've done that. Um, let's see. What would be an out of this world flavor? I should know the answer to this. I don't want to cop out because I just had banana bread Oof, um, as an ice cream flavor. Yeah. So that's where my head's going right now. Yeah. Some sort of a vegan banana bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, I know, I, so we talked about it in the beginning, and you said that you've recently um, been on a vegan lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, what inspired that? I, I, my sister's on that now. Um, a lot of friends I, I know are. They watched that What the Health documentary. Yep, I'm sure. Which I refuse to watch. Um, <laughs> Don't you know, watch it. <laughs> yeah, so, so what inspired you, and how has it impacted your life? And, you know. Yeah, I think, um, I can't say I've, I've always been a diehard vegan by any means. Um, and for me, I just really, I watched a lot of these documentaries, did a lot of research. I just needed to cut down meat from my diet, which over the last few years I had been, and I started to feel a little bit better. Um, and then I just last year at the end of the tail end of last year, I said, 
man, I really wonder. I was talking to one of my buddies who also is vegan this year, and he's like, dude, I think we should just do this. Um, let's give it one full year and, like, stay true to it. I'm also, part of me was like, man, I'm really, um, you know, I have a vegan, we have a vegan product and brand. I want to be authentic yeah. to it. Um, and I genuinely believe when you eat less meat, you will feel better. And, and I want to kind of use it as my own science project. And I'm very, since doing it, feel really clear-headed. Um, the biggest challenge is you have to be really disciplined with your diet and make sure that you're eating the right foods um, and that, you know, you're really following, um, you know, a, a, a disciplined approach and getting the right nutrients because oftentimes you can get fatigued if you're completely removing fish, chicken, yeah. beef, etc. Even like a like chemically imbalanced, like at some point. Yeah. Like really like absolutely. Yourself, yeah. Um, but no, it's <laughs> look, it's it's been great. I, I really don't plan on eating meat again. Really? Um, you know, I will say I was fatigued for the first few months and I might be, you know, eventually I, I you know, what's great is there's there's an impossible food, there's the Beyond Burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really are tasting better and better and yeah, I'm it tastes blown great, away. honestly. Um, so what about, would you guys ever, ever go vegan? I don't, that's a, that's a tough, that's tough, that's like as big of a challenge as I can imagine You know, I think, I think a lot, for me, the hardest thing to give up is probably like cheese and like meat, but you know, at the end of the day, like I recognize that they're not good for you and it's, it's really like a mentality more than anything. Like if you just have to set your mind, like when I first started, I, Pat knows like <clears throat> two and a half years ago, I hadn't, I hadn't even seen like inside a gym. Like I was at 270 pounds. Like I was like, I need to lose weight. You know, like I don't feel good. I don't, I don't like feel healthy. I don't care about what anybody else thinks. I just want to feel better. And I went to the gym and I was eating significantly better, dropped like 40, 50 pounds. And so, you know, and, and just, and that was all mentality. That was like a mindset shift as opposed to like anything else. You know, it's easy to. You know, once you set your mind to it, you can do it, right? So, to answer, it's a hard question to answer. I think it would have to be a mentality kind of thing for me where I sit down with myself. But I don't want it to get to the point where, you know, I have to not eat it, right? Like when your doctor's like, you know, like <clears throat> you're going to die of this or you're going to you have your chances of like heart disease or whatever, cancer are going to increase if you continue on this path. I don't want to get to that point. So... I think for me, starting off with limiting those things are probably yeah. a better. You know, better I, I have option. like one main reason, and yeah. it's eggs. <laughs> Dude, love, just egg. You gotta, eggs. There's like plant-based eggs. I know. Yeah. Alternatives. You gotta try them. I do have high cholesterol, so maybe yeah, one day yeah. there you I, you go. Know, yeah, I'll listen it, to my body. And it's all about mentality, whether it's like food, entrepreneurship. I mean, really, honestly, like not to not to bring it back to like business, but a lot of this stuff, like a lot of those people that are successful in whatever they do. Like, for example, like Dave Asprey with Bulletproof, like the guy was like, what, 350, 400 pounds and like, you know, the whole Bulletproof lifestyle. Like, and a lot, I have friends that follow the lifestyle and, you know, and obviously from that, he created all these products and he's killing it. Um, but again, like if you're, if you don't set your mind to it and really focus on like that whole lifestyle change, like that alteration of everything you've been doing and doing it now in a different way, you can't half-ass it. It's not, it's not one of those things that, oh, like, let me be vegan for a month. Like, it's, it's going to be worse after, you know, like you're going to double down on the meat that you didn't have. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, maybe I will be like for now, like I just enjoy, I enjoy meat. Um, I think being like Middle Eastern, like we grow up around like everything that's unhealthy and you know, all our food is like, just like we eat like basically like cool. steak tartare, like as like, you know, it's like one of my favorite dishes. Um, so it's hard. It's hard. Like of course. just the thought of it is making me kind of sad. <laughs> uh, but, but thankfully, I had two dream pops that you know helped that there out. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, but, but yeah, it's it's you know, hope maybe one day I will be. Um, I think the title is something that I don't like. Uh, but I just would like like plant based. I think is better. Yeah, I all. totally believe it that you just get yeah. more like yeah. you know clear headed and like I mean even energetic. Like yeah. at some point, you kind of your mm -hmm. body gets used to it and you're yeah. able to like you said compensate with other types of food and. Um, cause sometimes you do feel like, you know, like I'm sure lethargic. Yeah, exactly. Like when you, when you have a lot to consume heavy food, you yeah, know, you, feel like you eat like a big, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you eat a ton of like, whether it's burgers or oh, yeah. steak, whatever. And you like, you, you, you love it at the moment. And then afterwards you immediately regret it. You're like, like, what did I just do to you. myself? I've just noticed also, I don't know if you guys see the same, like if you sit in number of coffee shops, the amount of people that are ordering nut milks or, mm -hmm. you know, dairy alternatives mm -hmm. and are just not eating dairy ice cream every Every ice cream out there, major ice cream brand, novelty brand is launching a plant-based option. Well, um, and, and so before I was working where I'm working now, I was doing like hospitality consulting. And one of the things that my boss would teach me and like would like really like practice and preach, both practice and preach, was 
new companies that when we would work with like new startup companies that you know were you know either launching a product or restaurant um if their menu wasn't like at least 30 40 percent plant-based we wouldn't work with them because like that's just not the future like the future is going to be plant-based like i think like you know probably in the next 10 years i wouldn't be surprised if 30 percent of the population is like you know vegan vegetarian or plant-based um and again like because of technology it tastes good. Like, you know, I've had like Impossible Burgers and Beyond Meat at Expo West when they first came yeah. out. I mean, it, it looks exactly like an In-N-Out burger. You know, it's again, like it's the fact that you th- you're thinking like, oh, it's not real meat is kind of the weird part. Have you guys been to Monty's downtown Monty's. in Koreatown? Mm-hmm. I haven't. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, all it's, the be- it's the best vegan burger I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Well, we'll check. I mean, again, like, I'm, open, I'm open-minded, so I'm not against it whatsoever. And I love the fact that like, you know, they're trying to make it like meat and more accessible to people that yeah. just have grown up on that. But it's harder for the, like all the, our parents generation. I mean, they're not, they don't really like buy into that. They're just like, we've done this for the 60, 70 years we've lived. Like we're going to, we're going to die doing that. You should so. see how many times when I sit down at the dinner table with my, uh, my family, it's the first thing. So David, are you still vegan? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, now I got to cook two meals like from yeah, ourselves. Like, and no sushi. Yeah. Really? No yeah, sushi. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. No yeah, see, <laughs> you know what I could pull off? Pescatarian. I could probably pull that okay, off. Okay, there you go. I could at least have, like, my sushi. Um, but <laughs> I, I've done it, like, during Lent and stuff. Like, you know, I'll give it, like, I've, I've given it up. But it's hard because I just eat more carbs. And, like, I, like, pasta, bread, I'll just of course. triple down on it. Yeah. Um, so, it, again, it's ba- it's finding that balance. Uh, and I think that's applicable to everything. Like, you know, even, like, this podcast, like, we find balance between work, yeah. other projects, this podcast, you know. I'm sure, you know, between life and work and dealing with friendships, it's, it's tough. You know, balance is like a big thing. Um, and it takes practice to learn balance. I think like, any, anybody that says that, like, oh, yeah, we have a great work-life balance is a complete liar. Like, there's no way. If you're building a company, there's no work-life balance. It's just work, work, work balance. And like, not to call it, it balance, but, I'm, like, what, what do you do, like, when you're not working? Just, like, just Yeah, you know, or? working out is, is huge for sure. Yeah. Not that that's, like, I mean, it's it's been a big part. It's like your mental, like, reset. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, <clears throat> We've, I've got a morning practice, a little meditation in the morning to start the day. That's huge mm-hmm. um, for fun. You know, I'll, I'll golf, I'll hang out with buddies, go to the beach. Um, but right now, you know, a lot of my friends are <laughs> like, dude, you need to like, <laughs> uh, you know, relax a little bit. So yeah. um, I'm lucky. I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs. You know, my buddy Cody just launched this. Uh, Cody Levine, he's got this really cool company called Twice. Mm-hmm. He started an oral care, oral care brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a buddy, Greg, who's got an apparel company. Um, I got my buddy Steve, who's got Lokai, this bracelet company. Oh, that's him. Yeah, and he's actually a partner in in our company. Oh, nice. And really, just I've I've been lucky to I have see... a bunch of Lokai bracelets. Yeah, amazing, yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. I've been lucky to you know really see firsthand just various hungry entrepreneurs and um, who are who I can lucky enough just call close friends and just, just hanging out with them, you know, sharing yeah. stories, grabbing drinks, shooting the shit, and helping yeah. each other out. So. That's the best. Sure. Who would you, uh, just kind of like wrap it up with this, is like, who would you say is like your biggest inspiration in life? Whether it's like, I mean, business or just in general, like. Biggest inspiration in life. Um, You know, both of my parents, number one, no question. Um, When it comes to real role models, you know, as I said, Howard Schultz is like, you know, who who I aspire to to really embrace that level of passion and creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I heard this story that you know when he was raising his his first round to really go out and he had il giornale and he was building additional you know he was trying to really buy starbucks took you know hundreds of no's from investors you know people thought he was crazy you want to sell a five dollar cup of coffee are you nuts his podcast on his podcast on how i built built this this so probably the best probably the best one on how i built this in my opinion so so good yeah um, you know, I love Gary V. I love, is it Tom, is it Belayu? Tom Belayu, I think. Love yeah. Quest, the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough to say favorites. Uh, I also just am obsessed with founder stories. So that's why I was so excited to come on your mm-hmm. guys' show. Um, constantly just, you know, whether it's a founder playbook or just very, you know, zero to one. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just the, the problem is um, it's easy to, to get wrapped up in these narratives. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're all just people. You can really go out and build whatever it is you want. Um, so what I will say is, while I do love all those books and, and, and stories, I do think, too, just getting out there and, and, and making things happen is, is number one most important. 
Absolutely. 100%. Well, David, it's been a great pleasure having you on. Uh, really excited to see you know the future of Dream Pops and what you guys end up doing. And I know it's you, know, you guys are just getting started, so um, we're looking forward to to you know being on that journey with you and just kind of seeing where you're at. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It means the world. So thank Bye, you. Guys. Of course, man. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.